Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are the Architects of Entropy, and this is episode 57. Wow. The Heinz Company has made 57 kinds of sauces over the years, from what I understand. And we have made 57 episodes. And they are not sponsoring (laughs) us. Well, they're begrudgingly sponsoring us because we are saying that they're sponsoring us, even though they're not giving us money. Yeah. Yeah. They're a reluctant sponsor. I don't know if you've ever had Heinz 57 sauce, but it's like basically ketchup with some Worcestershire sauce in it or something. I'm not really sure. Not, not a fan. They should have stopped at 56. Yeah. You, yeah. you don't really ever see Heinz one through 56 sauces. So I yeah. think, you know, the idea is like they got to 57. They're like, this is vaguely edible. Okay. We're out. That's as good as we're going to do. We're out. Yep. This no. is, this is the kind of banter you get when your cats don't jump up on your table. Yeah. <laughs> so aside from that, we have gotten to the end game by hook or by crook. No matter how long it takes, this is going to be the season finale for Architects of Entropy. This will close this particular section of the game where we play Dungeons and Dragons in a world called Ayamora. What's going to happen next? We'll tell you. At the end of the episode. <laughs> so you're going to have to listen to this whole episode to find out what season two is going to be. No skipping. We'll know. Yeah. I want to <laughs> meet the person who has listened this far, <laughs> wants to know what we're going to do next, but doesn't care to listen to the rest of the episode. <laughs> that, I want to sit down with that cat and talk to him because that, that's, that's a different kind of cat, you know? Yeah, that is a that is a crazy kind of cat. Yeah, I'm here for the slime fight, but this this dragon bullshit, I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, (laughs) this nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of dragon bullshit, we got some Dungeons and Dragons bullshit to uh, to get to here. Jeez, you guys are in Emthodkis, the home of the kobolds and all kinds of wacky stuff that we will probably never see but you're seeing some of my favorites you've gotten to meet the great slime which is actually a creation of rick's you uh got to meet sumka slime talker who was a creation of scott Hmm. and uh you very well might meet atris the concubine a creation of mj and i'm trying to think of something that kevin did something about weasel people and mushroom folk yeah (laughs) morple he's responsible for morple oh no you know why i don't think i don't think you were there for were you there for the cobalt thing kevin i don't think you might not have been there actually you were not there okay that's why okay cool i was like racking my brains trying to figure out cobalt stuff you made but you were not there for that one but you're here for this and if you could have come up with something weirder than the stuff we came up with it would have been uh would have been something we didn't get to meet the Nutria folk Aww. or the Saurians, but who knows? I can throw in anything. I know somebody who is waiting for the Nutria to, to make an appearance. Yeah, they, they might have to wait till season two. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad now. <laughs> don't. It's not a big deal. <laughs> but hey, there could very, very easily be Nutria people in the next uh, campaign. <laughs> uh, there could be anything. But I'm not going to spoil that anymore. When last we left our heroes, you went to help a guy have a conversation with a slime. And as you can imagine, you walked into the place and were attacked by gray oozes and black puddings and a gelatinous cube, uh, which 
proved to be really very minor threat to you guys. But there was more coming if for some reason you chewed through these ones fast and I decided to just keep the combat going till the end of time. But no, luckily, Sumka Slime Talker, your good friend, was able to calm down the Great Slime and find out what happened. Much to everyone's surprise and chagrin, the God Without Shape is trying to get to the dragon, which goes without saying. But how is he going to get to the dragon? That's the thing. Mm-hmm. And the answer might surprise you. But first, you have to get to the dragon spire and get to the God Without Shape so you can finish this. So uh, without further ado, we're just going to flash right to that because this is going to be a jammed packed episode with as much nonsense as I can jam into an episode of this podcast as possible. Excellent. So just strap in and get ready. We all do love our nonsense. (laughs) Just a point of order. We got in the Booms End Inn some kind of correspondence between the concubine and uh, Rolf. That is correct. Okay. So what you know is that Atris was in contact with Rolf, trying to use him as a method of escape. Okay. That they were concerned that Corlick Tortoise's distraction was becoming a sign that perhaps Atris was no longer satisfying the dragon, whatever way that happens. It's really none of our business. It's fine. Yep. So... They struck a deal with Rolf, and uh, Rolf was supposed to come here in exchange for a uh, pretty uh, decent-sized portion of Dragon Horde that Atris uh, presumably was able to squirrel away. This was basically going to be happening anytime now. Like, Rolf was actually getting prepared to leave when you guys got there. So, the whole thing was imminent. All right. Excellent. That'll give us an in with the priests is what I'm hoping for, so... Not, not to, hey, spoiler alert for those of you who like to have things revealed. Yeah. Story like, yeah, don't, don't listen to this part. Just go back yeah. a little bit and don't listen. All right. So you guys will pile back onto Sunka's skiff. The, everybody aboard the SS Slime. <laughs> <laughs> you will have time to uh, take a short rest if you would like to. As usual, I think the only person I might have hit was Nolan, but. Yeah, if, uh, if a short rest is in the offing, I can take care of my uh, wound. So, yeah, let's do yeah, that. Yeah, any, anything that you can get back with a short rest. Yeah. You can rest on the skiff because it will take a <laughs> while for, for you to uh, make your way down to the spire. As you approach the spire, you wind your way into the darkest, tightest area of the swamp. And there you will observe a towering black spire that pierces the sky. It's... Uh, hundreds of feet tall. It's not elegantly constructed, but it is it is solid and imposing. Uh, you will uh, see that you know vines and all manner of lichen and fungus from years of just being here in this marshy area cling to it and climb up it. And occasionally, you will catch the looming shadow far, far above you of the dragon, who is now just circling the tower as Sumka pulls the skiff onto the land. She looks up and it's like, I don't like that. That is not good. The circling is not, that's not good. 
So the ominous dragon circling isn't isn't a positive outlook for us? Yeah, nope, nope. I'm really good at reading situations, and this is not a good one. <laughs> All right, well, I'm glad you're here. Okay, well, the other option is we go home and the world ends. So, unfortunately, we got to keep going. Yeah, yeah. This has kind of been our lot for a while, so I'm kind of used to it now, but I understand that. Not All right, great well, news to hear. yeah, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and uh, introduce you to these creepy priests. Is there any other kind? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Looks over at the uh, at the priest of the forge. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I don't wish to comment at this time. Uh, well, fair enough. You move through uh, this path that leads up to a massive door. Sumgit just goes out. Hmm. Knock, knock, knock. <laughs> Takes a minute, and uh, just about the point where Sumka goes. I don't know if anyone. You hear this creaking of the door just coming open. And then uh, you see a little nose, a little, you know, like vaguely dragon-ish nose uh, just kind of pop out. What is it? Ah, hello. I, I will speak common. I don't have any anything else uh, that I think uh, dragons will do. I can go thieves can't if I think they're, uh, you know, yeah, if they're cool. But, they speak um, dragon and and common and okay whatever uh, um, you know, kobold kobold language. It's just like ah yes, uh, hello. Um, we have come with uh, vital information for the exalted priesthood. <laughs> it looks up at you. You just see this face just barely out of the door. Then looks over at Sumka and Sumka just goes, "Yeah, they're cool." And then uh, opens the door, uh, and you see a, a bunch of kobolds that are dressed in these uh, greenish, uh, blackish robes. Like everything else here, they're dirty. I'll go ahead and uh, give you a look at uh, some art that I made a while back uh, with these little bastards on it, because I wondered what they might look like. And uh, here they are. This is the Cook Shin. So it's the priestly order whose chief preoccupation is making sure that the dragon has a steady supply of crap, riches, and whatever it wants. They mostly just supplicate themselves in front of the dragon and, and give him things. They do occupy a, uh, a place of some kind of authority, but these kobolds you're looking at right now just kind of look tired and kind of freaked out. What brings you here? And I'll, I'll do what I always do, which is I will wait several beats and then realize no one else is going to say anything. And then I will start talking. <laughs> uh, and I was like, ah, we have important information. A, uh, a dread entity known as the God Without Shape has infiltrated Anthodkis, and it uh, it is a corruptive and powerful uh, entity, and we believe it seeks to seize control of the Great Dragon. And we believe it is aided by in this by the uh, Dragon's concubine, who is helping. We think that, right? You're not exactly sure. We're not exactly sure, but we think there's something, something there's going some, on. There's definitely something yeah. fishy going on. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll say that. How about that? I yeah. listened to the intro of the of a few episodes ago, so we think that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> you you have proof there's plotting going on. Yeah, there's some there's yeah, they're they're up to something and you know, we're not we're I'm not above lying for the greater good. So let's uh, let's, uh you you might not be wrong. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Hmm. And they, they just kind of confer amongst each other and, and mutter and kobold draconic and the guy with the headdress, <laughs> just how only way you can differentiate him is just kind of looks over and looks up at you and says, well, that might explain 
why we can't get into the upper levels of the tower. I understand the Rugers made a journey into Ramthodkis. This was expected. Is the innkeeper amongst them? He is not. And uh, uh, I will pull out the letter we have. It's like, I have some evidence of not this specific uh, plot, but a plot that shows the true colors of, of certain parties. And I'll hand it over. It's like, unfortunately, Rolf did not uh, wish us to uh, come in and deliver this information. So he will not be joining us for the rest of his life. Unless you have a bunch of diamonds and a bunch of magic that you're not using. The high priest just kind of looks like, yes, we've seen these. Ah. They have not escaped our notice as they have come in and out. We are loyal servants of Kolaktordis. The great dragon must be aware of all that happens within his domain. He knows that someone came from the Rugers, and I imagine he thinks uh, someone is coming to take his toy. Yes, we think the introduction of the God Without Shape has somewhat altered the plans of his uh, <sighs> concubine, his kept person. <laughs> And there might be some greater problem now. Yes, we sent uh, people up into the tower to get a hold of Atris before they attempted to escape, but they were unable to breach their uh, suite, if you will. And the ones who were sent, uh, when they did not return, others went to look, but eventually we stopped sending people because the ones who came back were different. There's something very bad up there, and we will not go near it. Different how? Well, there's a layer of slime hmm. that is coating that whole area, apparently. And, and uh, the ones who were able to get away said that he was uh, burnt and then taken over by something. Yes, that seems to be the modus operandi we are used to. I mean, the layer of slime is new, but it's essentially the same. We have also uh, intercepted correspondence from... Atrus's uh, contacts in various parts of Iamora, or this entity is becoming known. So it is not the first time we have heard this, but we, so much news that comes from the outside world is uh, misunderstood. This is all starting to make sense, but uh, the way is blocked. We have been trying to find alternate ways to get to the top of the tower, because Orlek Tortoise has taken to the skies and he has not left, so we have not been able to speak to him and tell him what's happened. And All right. Uh, the Keagrin, the aeronauts, or whatever they call themselves, uh, are too busy toying with their experiments to listen to the priests. And we have, of course, the orcs. This is the worst chaos this place has ever been thrown in, and there's anything we can do to get rid of it and return things to normal, we will do it. Well, one thing I would suggest, and it's not important right now, but we may all die, and I, I feel the need to lecture someone. Uh, the keeping a person as a kept person in kind of a concubinic pseudo-slavery probably just is the kind of thing that's just going to breed resentment. And you're going to have to deal with this thing every, I don't know, century or so. So maybe maybe when we this is all over, maybe get to Enthodkiss and maybe make that more of a two-way relationship with, you know, uh, uh, you seem to believe that Atris uh, has been captured. See, that's that's not exactly the way. No, Atris was was afraid of being replaced or would not be able to escape. That's the problem. Like, there's a weird power dynamic going on there, and that's just going to breed resentment in that person. I'm just, you know, 
looking to try to stop this in the future, but that's not important right now. We're all going to die. Uh, so we got to get through this slime. Right. So yes. Yes. Guys have yeah. tried to climb around the outside of the tower and that won't work. And we have to go through. Am I correct? Uh, you can try to climb on the outside of the tower, but uh, I, I don't know uh, how Corlick Tortoise will feel about that. I think going through is probably the better option. All right. Then let's go through. I mean, you know, if one of you came with us while we were climbing out of the tower and Tortoise came down, maybe you could talk to him. But I understand why that might not go over well. So let's just go. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, oh, all right. Where do we go through? Where is the slime? And and then uh, point us to the door. All right. <laughs> you just go up those stairs and keep going until you can't go anymore. E- even if you chew through our priest's... Uh, I don't know how you're going to get through that wall of slime. Don't worry about it. We've got him. And I'll point to Razor. (laughs) I'm sure this whole time Razor's just been coming up with a plan to get through a wall of slime. So I'm not worried in the least. I will not say that out loud. I will just point at Razor and we've got him. In Draconic, I'll say no problem. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's at least see what we're dealing with. We can always retreat and uh, climb out the side of the tower and get eaten by the dragon. Mm -hmm. All right. So, yeah, none of the priests will go with you. That's fine. They're like, we know how this ends. They're just going to get in the way anyway. Yeah. We, I will say we will try not to kill your uh, fellow priests who have succumbed. In our experience, uh, they can be saved if the, the government of that shape is, is banished. But sometimes, well, they will try to kill us. So we'll do the best we can. All right. Well, good luck. I was just trying to gauge if he cared that much or not. Because, you know, I'm not going to try that hard now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sumka, before you guys go up, Sumka's like, um... If that doesn't work, I, I might have something else you can try. When you say if that doesn't work, by that you mean our plan of just beating our head against this thing until it falls down? Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like a great... The, I think that's the plan we have right now. It sounds like a great plan, but... um, okay. I'm all ears if you've got another idea. There's somebody that might be able to, to help. This is Kobold, who lives uh, by himself to the south. Not an outcast, per se. Like, he kind of does his own thing. But the scuttlebutt is, the rumor is, that uh, many, many years ago, he was in the same position that Atrus was in. But he got out of it somehow. Uh, nobody really sure why or how. But he has access to a lot of things that the Shreb might not know about. His name is Zugo. And he's supposedly, like, over 100 years old. I mean, it's a real, like, uh, you know, in case of fire, break the glass situation, or, you know, the equivalent thereof in this kind of world. Wait, break the what? What are you referring to? <laughs> right. Uh, it, it, it's, you know, it, 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 if things are real bad, you might be someone uh, worth talking to. But uh, there's a lot, uh, you know. Define real know, bad, because we're about to go up and, like, see a wall of slime. All right. Well, let's go see the wall of slime, and then we'll just decide right. what real bad means. How about that? Sure. Yeah. Let's. Let, 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 yeah. Go ahead and do that, and I'll, I'll be down here. Sounds right. good. Yeah. I think it's like, oh yeah, Cobalt's not the most brave. Um, <laughs> all right. So there's this big spiral staircase that that goes uh, around the middle of the tower, and you are heading uh, up to the tippy top. So after you've walked a stupid amount of stairs, you hear before you see. Things moving around and talking in muttered tones. Nothing really all that intelligible. And the closer you get, you kind of feel this kind of sickening feeling. You've experienced this in different ways before, but this is like the worst. 
you have now you're all you've all been exposed to this uh infection in the past have been kind of inoculated to it but you know as you know the god without shapes ability to infect uh, evolves over time and as he experimenting with everything he can he can get his shapeless hands on it it changes and becomes more refined in some ways uh, and less refined in others like you've seen things that just kind of fall apart and you've seen things that seem to have their faculties but are still just doing the bidding of their god and you know as you're getting closer you definitely know there are creatures up ahead so you will be on them if basically you turn the corner so what what is your plan <laughs> approach them quietly oh, oh a plan i don't know i'm gonna start asking you hear them i'm just saying you hear them you know something is coming are you just gonna keep going are you I feel going like to you like, know, try we're just and be stealthy or, i mean we, okay. we could try to be stealthy but i don't think it's gonna matter because like you know all right. I think I got a decent shot at it, even though in my armor I'm at disadvantage. But I think Let's try. I think I think Razor's going to yeah, give us right. away. So we're just going to go in and be ready for for a fight. Okay. If anybody <laughs> wants to change that plan, I'm willing to listen. All right. Well, um, if that's the case, why don't I summon my spirit guardians now? Okay. Okay. Alrighty. You summon your spirit guardians. Yep. And you begin moving up the stairs and. As you crest the next level, you see there are maybe about 14 or so kobolds just kind of hanging around and the walls around them begin to be coated in this viscous, colorless, but slightly like a white sheen all around that, like a just a solid wall of this clear undulating shape just continues as far as you can see beyond these uh, kobolds. They turn as you get into view of them, and you will see they have the uh, kind of robes that uh, the other priests had. Um, most of them have more of a like a, a low-level initiate kind of look to them, and then there's about five of them that are dressed more like that, a higher priest-level guy. And they all turn in unison, and they all have solid white eyes. And as they start to move towards you, they all start to be uh, bludgeoned and crushed. <laughs> Spiritual dwarves. So you're able to kind of cut a swath through them. Because you've done that, I will I will eschew a traditional combat that will wind up, you know, seeing you slaughter uh, yeah. about 14 possessed kobolds. But once you reach the end of that area, you are just up against this just... It, it's viscous but solid it's really just uh it's really just a lot turns out the god without shape is a non-newtonian fluid mm. <laughs> it, it looks like he has basically been able to take the best qualities of you know the uh, ooze and slimes and just basically make a uh, just big old like slime cement that as you get close to it it reaches out to you you could see it try to get close to you but then it kind of it, it kind of retreats but once you get closer to the wall, the wall doesn't. It kind of uh, ripples at your presence, but the sheer amount of solid infection, it's not pulling away from you completely. So you'll get it, Morpal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Morpal runs at it with a short yeah. sword. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's no, engulfed no. by this wall. Yeah. Of yeah. But it's going to have a hell of an ingestion now. We'll, we'll, we'll get it. All right. All right, so uh, all bluffing aside, how do we get past this thing? Wall of fire? That 
Could be a possibility. <laughs> Burn it all away. Could do that. Okay, so you're planning on just basically putting a wall of flame up through it? Yeah. Okay. See if it burns it away. Actually, just to test the theory first, I'll use produce flame because that's a cantrip instead of a fourth level spell. I had a feeling you were, <laughs> we would want to do that instead of burning a flame. I, I was totally prepared for you to burn a fourth level spell in an experiment. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so you produce flame and just start just kind of throwing it at the wall. And initially, once it hits, it starts to kind of burn away. But the more you throw at it, it's almost like it is absorbing it after a while. Hmm. Oh, I was afraid of that. It's like adapting. All right, guys, we're going to have to modulate our phasers. It's the only way to get through this. <laughs> uh, I'll try Sacred Flame just because it's magical. Okay. I don't yep, know. It's, I... uh, it's radiant damage. Yeah, it has a similar effect. Okay. Uh, it really seems to be working, but then it, it gets a little ways, and then eventually it just kind of, it's just right. too much. There's just too much of this mass, solid mass of, of evil corruption. Hmm. All right. So we, if we don't think we can get through here, we can try the go around to the outside thing. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of, of bringing one of the priests with us to go talk to the dragon uh, up the outside of the tower. I don't know how that'll go. That might get, you know, me and a priest. Yeah, they seem to be uh, not liking that idea. No, they don't seem to be. Yeah, I I realize they don't like that idea, but they're like, oh, we can't get up there to talk to the dragon. It's like, well, I get you up there to talk to the dragon. Well, we don't want to do that. I'm like, all right, well. Yeah, you get the sense that perhaps they might have tried that. (laughs) Okay. But I'm, I'm wondering if, like, if we can get up the tower a bit and just get around this slime that I'm, I'm assuming is blocking, like, you know, hallway to staircase that gets us up to the next level. I don't think we can judge from here, like how deep the slime goes. As you're far as- within your, whether you get there by your assessment, like razor, you have that kind of dwarf uh, ability to kind of get a sense of where you are in stonework that you are probably about a floor under that level of suite of rooms right. that where Atris occupies. Oh God. I really do want to go out and anyway, no, it's okay. Let's do this. All right. Um, so do we know either from, you know, some conveniently off camera discussion with the priests or just observation? Do we know is that are there is there access to that upper level of, of suites like? Yeah, if you go back down and, and talk to them, they will basically let you know that there is a balcony that goes around the outside of the upper level. OK, where there are balconies that mm-hmm. they may not be one solid belt you can get to yeah. them and get into that area from the outside you might be able to you know approach it at an angle and stay out of sight none of these guys have access to the kind of magic that can mm-hmm. you know get you instantaneously through there but uh you know if you know somebody was able to get a flying craft near there and mm-hmm. Corlec tortoise doesn't you know shoot it down Mm-hmm. Which you've no idea uh, is certainly possible. Well, I'm thinking more or less. Uh, I have a potion of fly. That's right. So I can fly up to the balcony, throw a rope down, or anybody could take the potion. That's the handiness of the yeah. potion, and people could climb up. It's just a question of like, okay, are climbing up to that thing? Like, I'm kind of hoping that uh, human dwarf, uh, totally human, not a changeling. Uh, and a fungus person aren't going to be the thing that sets the dragon off. Like, that's not going to be the biggest deal in the world. But, you know, obviously there'll be some kind of opposition up there, so we don't know exactly what that is. And we could also just climb it, but I just think the fly would be quicker. 
and I'm assuming like the yeah. less exposure on the side of the tower initially is the best. I could probably carry Zika. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I could carry much more than that. So that I can wild shape. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I could probably carry uh, somebody. I'm, I'm reasonably strong. For somebody who never uses strength for any of his stuff, it is my second highest stat. Um, <laughs> I thought I was going to be fighting a lot more knightly combats where I wasn't going to be able to sneak attack people with a short sword, and that did not come out, but that's cool. I'm happy to do the extra damage. So I could carry somebody up, um, and then that leads less people to climb. Yeah, it, it is like about 200 feet tall. It's okay. very tall. Yeah. So it's a it's a long way to climb, and there's not a huge margin well, of error for if you mess up. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah, if you fall, you're dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, that's Kieran's or Razor's problem. Okay. So I can carry Rain, Zika can wild shape, and then and then you guys are on your own. That's how this. Is. But uh, no. Um, uh, the other thing we could do is the spell lasts a while. I don't know. It's its duration is measured in minutes. I'll check it. So it's not like, oh, I fly up there and I'm done. I could just keep ferrying people, and I still think that's quicker than climbing. Mm-hmm. And and I'm assuming even with Razor in his plate, I can manage him if I'm just carrying him. So I could just go one, two, three, 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 but maybe not. So Yeah, I don't know. That's Dwarves are pretty solid. But I mean, like, he can also climb onto my back. I don't have to, like, deadlift him. You know, I just have to be able to what take What if Razor him. flew and carried the that's other? That's true. We could do that, yeah. Because you're, yeah, all right, let's do that. Okay. So I think then what you do is you you drop me first, and then Zeke right. flies up in wild shape or wild shape to carry if you don't have a, a, a flying thing you can turn into. Like if you turn into a mouse, that's negligible weight. So I can turn it into a flying thing now. Okay. So you drop us on the balcony and we're the beachhead, and we hold the beachhead until you get everybody else up. So I'm sure it'll work. All right. Does anybody see a flaw in this plan other than the dragon being annoyed and killing us? Nope. I'm fine if something kills us on the balcony. Okay. That's okay. That That's considered the plan is working. All right. So what's the first stage of this of this plan? If we, if we do this, if we don't go see the guy um, right. and, and get the guy, if we're going to do this, it's... Razor takes the potion. Takes the, fl- the fly potion. It's 10 minutes. And then he flies me and... Uh, or flies me up. Vega goes up. Or Kieran goes up. It doesn't matter who. But just two people land. He comes back down, gets more pull than the last person or... One at a time, however many he can carry. And then we, we go in from the balcony. Um, it's basically the first two people get the balcony and go, okay, can we get in the door? You know, what, what, what are we doing? We have whatever, 10 minutes to figure out if we can get through the door on the balcony into the tower. If that doesn't work, we all fly back down. I have another thought. I'm, okay. I'm, hey, uh, when rain makes themselves bigger. Yeah. How big is rain? I mean, he's goes from medium to large. Okay. Um, he like, you know, doubles in size, I guess. I mean, okay. I was just wondering if we could all ride a flying rain. <laughs> oh, that would be so dope. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 That's I a good idea. So, we need to do that. But yes. I would love it. I think so we've talked cool. about how many people rain could accommodate before in his large size. And I think it was like a medium person and a small person or maybe, wow. uh, you know, a couple of me, you know, Couple of medium people at most, yeah. but uh, you have no idea how Rain will react to flying. Come on, Rain would be fine with flying. Yeah. I know Rain would be okay. He'd do with a couple loop de loops, and that would be the problem for the rest of us. Then <laughs> yeah, uh, he'd be really into it, and then that, that would be an issue. <laughs> uh, all right, so dreams of flying a giant wolf 
aside, <laughs> we should really talk about if we're going to bring the horses with us. So what we should do. <laughs> Damn, if uh, we brought a horse, then we would have been fine. <laughs> all right. So I'll go back and get the horses. You guys wait here. No. Uh, so <laughs> that is the other thing is like we have no intelligence on what's going on in the top thing. We could get there. Mm-hmm. We could get to the balcony and find that door is all slimy and we can't get through it. But we could try this. And as long as we do it quickly enough, if we assess quickly enough, we can all get back down or we can just have the first person be like, hey, can you get through the door? What's it look like up there? Uh, I'm assuming nobody has clairvoyance. Come on, guys. It's the first <laughs> spell you should get. It's not as cool in 5e. No, I know. At the very least, I could wild shape up there without using up the potion and just look and yeah, see. Yeah, why don't you up- scout if, you, if, you, if you're feeling uh, like you can you know, get up there oh, yeah. stealthy-like or at least small yeah, enough. That, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Yeah, I can, I can turn into something. That's, I, yeah, I, I, I want to recklessly charge in there, but it probably does make more sense since, you know. All right. Yeah. So you're wild shaping and went to like a small bird. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So you fly out a window on this level. And as you fly up, you know, obviously uh, the dragon is still kind of circling around. I mean, it's massive. As you get closer, you hear some kind of communication going on. Do you speak Draconic? No. Okay. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to make out. There is occasional loud booming voice you're pretty sure is probably coming out of the dragon. And then there's a, a quieter, you know, softer voice that is coming out of the building. And as you go up, you will see that the outside of the tower is clear. But the closer you get, you realize that it is coded in a layer of this slime, this very clear looking slime. So initially, if you went to climb up, you'd have no idea until you hit it. And then who knows what would happen once you hit it. But there is, uh, it's like a square building, you know, like it's a square building, like almost like an obelisk, but not as, you know, obelisky. Uh, I just invented a word. (laughs) Um, And uh, there's like a balcony level that it's flush to the outside of the building, but it does appear to go all the way around. It's just, they're just from the outside. There's just specific spots you'd be able to, to need to drop into to get on it, but it is reachable from the outside. But if you stay somewhat close, you can probably escape. You you definitely, I'm escaping the eyes of dragon just because your size, but you have no idea what climbing it would look like it, it looks as probably not a great idea and uh dropping someone out there from the outside without the dragon catching view is not impossible because the dragon does seem to be very preoccupied are you flying around the tower or are you sticking to like the other you know like one particular side i would probably i'd probably take a a, a quick loop around why a why pretty wide um, flight around just to uh, not get too close, but I would I would take a round. If you if you do a wide kind of fly around, just you know acting like a bird, you will see that there is a figure that is standing on the balcony to the side that faces north, and they are talking to the dragon. You're at a distance enough that so it's kind of hard to make them out, but the figure is red skin. It's wearing like this kind of flowing gown, but it, it, it's hard to make out much 
unless you get really close where it might be too close. But there is some kind of conversation going on, and it's hard to tell which direction it's going. Right. Um, but that's, yeah, that's kind of where you're at. All right. I'll take that information back to the group. Okay. So you now have that information. <laughs> come back, give you all of that detail. If I was going to guess, I'd think that the consort is up there talking with the dragon up top now, but uh, I didn't want to get too close, not by myself. Yeah, you want to get killed by a dragon with your friends. Hi. All right, so your impression is, is that the dragon's going to notice us if we do their, do our thing. And could, did you get a sense of if we got onto that balcony, we could get in to any of the doors, or did you not get a chance to look? The door was uh, covered in slime. Okay, so we're going to have to go talk to the dude because I don't have yeah. any idea how to get through all this stuff without fighting. I mean, you know, it might be less slime and we might be able to burst through it, but then that, that blows any chance of there being a quick resolution here. And what I would like to not kind of storm in and get the dragon annoyed enough at us that it breath weapons us first and asks questions later is my thought. feel like we might be able to reason with the dragon if it doesn't, like, you know, seem, I don't know. That, that may have been the dumbest thing I've ever said, and I once said uh, I was unwet. So, <laughs> so do we want to go talk to the guy and see if he's got an idea? Because I, I got to tell you, I, I that was my thing, and I think we're gonna have to fight our way through a, a slime door, and we don't know if we can even do that because we don't know. I mean, it is it does seem like time is kind of working against you, but it's a gamble either way. This dragon has been flying around this tower like pretty much the whole time you've been here. This negotiation could take a minute could take days you never it's it's you know what for what you know dragons in this world they're pretty determined beasts okay well my thought is that it's way funnier if we go to the guy we take too long and we get here and it's already decided and we never got a chance to do anything about it that's funnier so i think we do that but if people want to go kick the slime door in and try i'm okay with that but but uh right now i'm just i'm just going for the it's funnier if we we dick around and, and don't <laughs> get here in time. yeah so anyway uh thoughts from the party uh let's go talk to somebody okay that sounds good to me because, uh, you know, my greatest fear is to be up there dicking around with like slime and not getting to the gig, you know, like that. Yeah, yeah. That feels like that would be very that would be a very unsatisfying way to die. Uh, whereas, yeah. you know, getting nuked by a dragon is OK, but like, you know, I'll write a song about you there. But um, OK, um, I mean, well, no one will be left, but still in theoretically. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's 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 go back down. OK. And and, uh, and and with as much dignity as I can muster, it's like, all right, well, we have uh, done our uh, assessment and we'll be right back. We have to consult with someone and we will march out with purpose. <laughs> right. Well, back on the skiff. <laughs> I, I got a good feeling about this. I think this is I think this might. I don't know. Uh, and uh, you take a, a, a uncomfortable uh, ride through these uh, uh, winding uh, rivers of, of swamp. As all the while behind you, uh, massive dragon circles a tower, and you are questioning every every move you make. Now, ah, this, this is going to take time. Is this worth it? Is this guy even going to be there? What's going to happen? It's like, but, you know, and even if you were to get in, like, then there's still going to be a dragon there, you know, one way or another, you know. But all of this on your mind as you take an uncomfortable journey, you will go south and you wind up in an area 
of in a slightly different area of the swamp where you're back on you know dry land or dryish land, and then you begin uh, hoofing through trails that uh, Sumka is able to uh, identify. But there's a lot of I think it's this way, and uh, so if somebody who has some kind of skill in uh, in uh, survival wants to uh, help Asumka navigate this way through uh, this, uh, just uh, keeping him out of trouble. Uh, yeah, I, people can go ahead and, and roll and uh, might help things move a little bit faster. I can try, though. We know I'm not good at that. I'll do my best. Well, you know. <laughs> oh, I rolled well. 24. Okay. And also, and, and Meepo is also uh, Meepo. Oh, sorry. Me- Wrong Meepo. game. Murple. Sorry. <sighs> All right. Well, yeah, more more pool could totally do it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, that's uh, true. But 24, 24 is definitely. 24 will definitely do it, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you are able to help Sumka navigate. He's telling you about things he's seen and you're like, okay, that looks like that, you know, and oh, here's where the path continues. And uh, eventually you will see there's like a little area of this kind of jungle where it dips down under this kind of concave area where there is what looks to be like a little camp. There's like a shack essentially. And there's signs of somebody uh, living there. It's a small shack and there's all these like sticks that protruding from the ground with totems and little skulls and bones and things hanging off of them gives you an air of someone who's just trying to kind of keep people away. Yep. That's uh that's the place. Uh, I think that's Zugo. Uh, I've never actually talked to him myself. Oh, but uh, I, I, oh. I, I, I had an idea where he was, and and he almost looked surprised to have found it. Well, this is a plan after my own heart. So uh, yes. All right, I'm gonna walk up the path. I guess. Yeah, you walk down this kind of winding path that goes uh, into this little area. Are you all uh, uh, following Nolan, or you're just going to send him down there to talk to this guy by himself? I'll follow. <laughs> okay. I guess I'll follow. Yeah, I'll you, take up yeah. the rear with rain. Okay. So as you guys make your way down this uh, weird little area, everyone can give me perception rolls. <laughs> all right. We're not in shiny rock territory, but it's not great. That's uh, an eight. Okay. I'm at a 16. Okay. 22. Okay. 13. Okay. There seems to be some kind of path here, guys. Follow me. <laughs> Razor and Kiernan, you guys hear kind of a, you know, it's like a jungle here. There's all kinds of animal noises and bugs uh, and frogs and, and crazy uh, uh, nature sounds, but you hear battle, like distant, but like approaching. It's definitely a ways away and through the trees, but it sounds like it's it's getting closer. Not super fast, but it's it's definitely the the further you get south, the further the more you're starting to hear it. Perhaps we should check that out. Or we can hide and let it pass. Pass yeah, this way, guys. Yeah, um, there's some noise up here. It sounds like battle. I think we should check it out. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're so close to the guy. You want to go <laughs> toward and, 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 this is so good. You want to go towards the battle? I got I got I got news for you. It's probably a bunch of crazy orcs. But, you know, feel free. 
Kobold's once again not the bravest, yeah. but still, he is definitely definitely sounds like it's something that that could hit this doorstep. Off we go. I will keep an eye on our kobold friend so that he doesn't get into any kind of trouble or or ditch us. But otherwise, yeah. How, I'll, I'll, how we'll about this? I'll go talk to Zugo. I'll try. All right. I can send Rain with you. Looks up at the dog. <laughs> He's not going to eat me. No, no, you're not on his meal plan. No. Well, how about this? I'll go with you to talk to Zugo. You guys yell if you need it. <laughs> and, and, and if there's something I can do, I'll come running. How about that? Okay. Morple, go with them. Help them out. Okay, I'll, I'll help. I'll go scout ahead. I'm very good at scouting ahead. All right, don't get killed. Okay. Also, don't draw a whole huge army over to a... You'll figure it. Got it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you guys move off towards the sound of, of struggle, and uh, I will start here with uh, with Nolan. So you and, and Sunka will walk down the path towards this little shack, and as you get closer, all of a sudden, these sticks and poles and totems all begin to, to shimmy and shake ever so subtly, and the ground underneath you begins to tremble the closer you get. Sumka looks afraid. He looks up at you and like, uh, okay, we, we, we're good with this? We're, we're, still, okay. we're still doing this. You approach ever closer, and as you do, the ground continues to tremble, and then it stops. And then you hear from the shack a voice emanate. Who dares to serve the sanctum of Zugo? I am Sir Nolan Kat, Knight of the Broken Lance, and we need your help with a quest to save all of Ayamora. Give me a persuasion. All right. Uh, 24. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Tell me, Knight, since when do the Knights of the Broken Lance seek to save the world? Since I became one. Now, since I became one and met some other people who are interested in saving the world, it's about... I don't know. So a month ago? I don't know. Is he? It doesn't seem that long ago. <laughs> Real time and game time confuse me. But we fight an entity called the God Without Shape. And we believe the God Without Shape wishes to uh, corrupt a large ancient dragon or uh, a gargantuan ancient dragon. I don't know what the sizes are. It's it's gargantuan, yeah. Okay. I would say. All right. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that's an official size. It's, or not, that is an anyway. official size, yeah. Okay. Well, I, you know, it's very important to talk in character in rules terms. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I mean, also gargantuan <laughs> also is a word that has that yeah. same meaning. Yo, there's a big ass dragon, dude. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you yeah. go. Yo, there's a big ass dragon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you utter those words, uh, a little door opens, and this tiny shriveled little lizard guy comes out he's wearing like like it's almost like a onesie <laughs> and he's got all these little beads and things that are like tied all around his head he's got these little like strands of hair which is weird from a lizard thing but uh he's just an impossibly old looking little shriveled up lizard and he goes shit hmm. really afraid so the tower is coated in a thin layer of slime, and we're having trouble getting up to the top of it. The person's name I always forget. Uh, the concubine uh, is... Uh, Atris. Atris. I could write this shit down. I, uh, you know... Well, is, yeah, I know, but know, we record this, is, this. It's fine. Yeah. Atris is working with the entity, it appears, and 
we can't really get up the tower to stop them without tunneling through a giant wall of slime, flying up the outside of the tower, and maybe perhaps annoying a very large dragon who we are actually trying to help in this instance. Ah, uh, well, how many of you are there? <laughs> there are uh, f- uh, four, six as a crane. Yeah. I'm assuming Kobold isn't coming with us. So, oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's doable. All right. Wall of slime, huh? Yeah. Ah, wall of slime. Okay. God without shape. That tracks. Oh, boy. All right. Well, get him here and and I'll I'll get you there. Okay. Also, there's a war. (laughs) I'll I'll just gesture over to where they are. Oh, the goddamn orcs out there again. Yeah. The rest of the party went to take a look. So I'll collect them and we'll be right back. Yeah, and yeah. I'll, no, don't let them get too close. Those, those fuckers, yeah, yeah. I, every time they get close, I, I'm able to drift them away, but it's a mess. Hey, yeah, go, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll get ready. You see him, he goes back into the shack and the door's mm-hmm. kind of wide open. You see him just kind of start grabbing like books and scrolls and things. He's laying around. It's like, where did I put that fucking thing? All right. I'll look to Skuna and be like, why don't you stay here? And then I'll go and then, yeah, cut away from me. Uh, yeah. After your conversation, you uh, start heading your way. You move in the direction that you heard the battle from coming from. And so we'll jump back in time. The rest of the party is uh, making their way. Morple is ducking ahead and like, you know, kind of running through trees and then running back. And he goes, I, I think I see them. They're over there. Mm. There's a whole bunch of them. They're fighting with someone, but it doesn't look like they're not kobolds. You make your way kind of southernly towards the sound of this battle, and you see this little village that is made up of, like, mud huts. It's definitely a lot more primitive than the things. And you see orcs, swords and and armor and, you know, all all orky, big and green and tusky, and uh, they're duking it out with these creatures. They're medium-sized creatures. And they look to be like uh, lizard guys, as you have encountered uh, the Saurians, the lizard folk that MJ, I think uh, uh, you created. I came up with those. Ah, I think. cool. Yeah. <laughs> the Nutria folk are to the north. I would have put them down here, but they're worth <laughs> completely on the other place. We'll go there next. Don't worry. We got okay, plenty great, of time. great, great. That's what's going on. Um, these orcs are just kind of slaughtering these lizard guys. They're putting up an okay defense, but they're, you know, they're definitely outmatched. The orcs are starting to, like, burn them out of their little huts. It's it's pretty bleak. Yeah, they are definitely uh, in the process of uh, exterminating some lizard people. Well, friends, let's say. How many orcs are there? Ah, uh, there's about a dozen. I think we kind of have to. Yeah, all right. Let's do this. <laughs> Alrighty. So you guys get ready and prepare yourselves to move into battle. You move into the scene. And as you do, some of the orcs will notice you and they'll turn to you. As we get to the point where I usually say, let's roll initiative. All of a sudden, from the trees surrounding them, a hail of arrows start raining down onto these orcs. And quickly, this party of orcs begins to turn and move off into the trees. The lizard folk retreat back into their village. And that is when 
you uh, see an unexpected sight coming down from the trees, dwarves. But these, you know, aren't like the dwarves you're used to seeing. These are like dwarven rangers, mountain dwarves who, Razor, you would know, these are the, these are the troops that would do a lot of the, like the archery and distance and then, and then ranging through the mountains and, and that kind of stuff. And they are just plowing into these orcs and you're able to join the melee and between yourselves and these dwarves, you're able to route these orcs off into the forest. So uh, as much as I'd like to play out a, a completely unrelated combat, yeah, it, it won't be necessary. Once the orcs are routed, the dwarves look your way and then one of them goes, Ordrum, Flaskmaster? Indeed. Who am I? Who do I have the pleasure? Uh, so uh, this dwarf pulls back his hood and you recognize uh, the face you see. You recognize a ranger that you fought with in the war named Harl Mountainblood. He is kind of a, a, a skinny, more wiry. I mean, you know, as much as dwarves can be wiry. Uh, he's definitely not, you know, he's not as stocky and well-built. He has uh, red hair. He has this uh, a short kind of cropped red beard and a few more scars than you remember and a few years older. But uh, what what are you doing here? Hmm. Well, uh, the god without shape needs to be uh, stopped, and we need to get back into the spire and prevent a dragon from being taken over by an evil god. What are you doing here? Hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> not that, but, well, uh, I mean, what we're doing here is kind of breaking an agreement, but it's a long story, but uh, we were... This is, just, this is weird. This is really weird. A, a, a certain amount of troops were sent um, as per an agreement to aid the orcs in their war uh, against the dragonborn. And it doesn't look like you're helping them much. Well, you see, that's the thing. <clears throat> By the time uh, we got down here, the dragonborn had mostly retreated. And there was not a lot of actual uh, helping defending the orcs as uh, we were promised as per the agreement. And then next thing that happens is we're getting pressed in uh, with the orcs to help them move into Emthodkis and start killing kobolds under the order of their horrible leader. So the more this continued, the more we amongst the leadership chose to reassess our agreement. The kobolds, they had beef with them. Fine. But then they start murdering these other people who live here have nothing to do with anything. And, and that's kind of where we where we decided to draw the line. And we've been stopping the orcs from moving any further into this area. And uh, as soon as we can, we're going to get out of this swamp and, and back towards the forge where the barbarians have been apparently attacking. And there's a god without shape. What the? Hold on. Oh, wait. You know what? I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about, but this is going to sound really weird. But I had a dream about you last night. Uh, it's not one of those dreams, was it? No, no, no. Uh, there was a voice in my head that said I needed to find you so you could fulfill your destiny. Oh, yeah. And here's another weird thing. When I woke up this morning, I was getting ready to move out. I found this in my pack. 
and he reaches down into a pouch and pulls out this rock. As you see it, it's this impossibly shiny, shiny rock. It's a shiny rock, guys. But it's not just a shiny rock. It's not just the shiny rock we've all been searching for this entire campaign. <laughs> it's a rock. It's a it's a nugget of pure mithril, purer than you've ever seen. And it says, I think I need to give this to you. And he reaches out and hands you the uh, the shiny rock. Okay. Well, uh, thank you. And you take the shiny rock, and as soon as you take the shiny rock and are prepared to say the words thank you, everything around you changes. And in the blink of an eye, the forest is gone. Your friends are gone. These dwarves are gone. Everything is gone. And you are standing in a place you've been before, but haven't been for quite a while since you went on this journey. You are standing in the forge, the grand forge, the forge in the middle of the forge. And there at this massive anvil, you see a figure crafting something, like banging away at this, uh, you know, bright burning piece of, uh, of metal. And then they look up and you see the great smith, this uh, very striking female dwarf who you've seen one other time when you were uh, given your, your seal of office and, and sent on your way. Oh, good. It looks like everything is in place. I knew you would be the one. And then uh, she sets her hammer down and, and approaches you. Prophecies can be vague, mysterious, and confounding, but are seldom wrong. Hmm. You have forged yourself some powerful weapons indeed. And now you just need to get to the battlefield. Tell me, are you prepared to be the weapon, Ordrum Flask Master? As prepared as I can be. I will be used in this battle, and the outcome is yet unknown. It is. There are many possible endings to this, but we must strive to reach the correct conclusion. As I have been called to this office, this calling, I have been gifted with knowledge that has been lost to our people. It is only now becoming clear the sacrifices we made in order to keep this world safe. This being that you fight, it has a name. We know its name is Malice. Hmm. It is a being that brought evil to this world, a pure, unadulterated evil. And it must not be allowed to return. Well, we will do our best. You don't have any way to get us there quick, do you? The way is being prepared for you. Beardless Dwarf, that was the thing. I was sure it was your counterpart in Malshar, until I saw you. You mean Grena? Yes, yes, that's her name. Hmm. Your paths were to cross. I know that much, but that is a story for another time. Before you go, I will grant you a boon, a blessing, and then you can pass this blessing on to your, your friends. Very well. And she goes back over to the forge and pulls up this glowing warhammer that she had been working on. It's bright and glowing with the heat that is being used to forge it. And she comes to you and puts her hand out for you to kneel. Do so. It says, uh, with the power given to me by the ancients and the forgotten gods of the dwarves, I give this gift to you, Ordrum Flask Master. 
You are the weapon. You must wield it. And then she takes this burning hammer and then puts it to your forehead. Sounds right. And you expect to feel this searing pain, but you don't. You feel this warmth go from your forehead throughout your whole body and you begin to glow briefly. But this warmth, it's not like an intense pain. It's more of like the feeling of home and of love and of peace. It's like every good thing. You know, it's like the best candy you've ever eaten. (laughs) And then it flows through you and you feel strengthened. Give this blessing to the rest of your friends and then you will be taken to where you need to go. Thank you. And you all are eighth level. (laughs) So we're getting to the end here. I promise. So I'm just going to need an hour to level up. So let me just read through all the. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Uh, no, I'm good. I, I, I did yeah. this ahead of time. I, I just have no, to no, find no, it all in, in, um, in uh, D&D Beyond. So, Razor, you come to, and at that point, Nolan, you have made your way through the forest and you find the scene. Uh, there's uh, you know, a bunch of dead orcs, there's some lizard people, there's uh, some dwarves, and then there's uh, Razor just kind of standing there uh, holding this rock, and then you snap back in, uh, Razor, and you look to your Warhammer and it is glowing. And I'll take this rock over to the nearest one of our companions, hand it to them, and then hold the glowing Warhammer to their forehead. Okay. So then one by one, you receive this blessing. You don't have a whole vision where you see the great Smith or anything, but you do feel this power and purpose in you and you feel more powerful. And then you are taken back down to a little shack where this little tiny shriveled kobold assembles you. All right, is this everybody? The dog, the mushroom guy, is everybody? This is us. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to send you somewhere I uh, I used to hang out. <laughs> know it pretty well. So I'm pretty sure you're going to wind up in the middle of the room. All right. Oh, good. And when you see that atris, uh, kick him in whatever kind of gonads they have. And uh, just like that, you uh, once again are teleported by a little tiny weirdo to a dangerous place. And uh, you find yourselves standing in the midst of this room. Well, I can say for one thing, guys, let's get this cat out of this room. (laughs) (laughs) You find yourselves in, in this luxurious room what normally would be this gorgeous furniture and draperies and all this finery, but it's all coated in like a a sheen of slime. It drips all around you. But what's more than that, you see two figures um, standing in the center of the room. When you appear there, you will see first this uh, beautiful androgynous red tiefling has two sets of horns and decked with all kinds of jewelry wearing a fine gown but <laughs> as you can see it has solid solid white eyes and uh something about it just feels wrong and then standing across from this figure in the room is another figure it's a uh, a humanoid figure but there is a very draconic appearance to this person. They are a black hair, greenish, blackish skin, these kind of dragon scale armor almost. And then you realize that you are in the presence of Corlectortis 
in his man shape and you see him approaching Atris as you appear in the room and what do you do? Lord Collectortus, we must speak with thee. He's going to totally listen. I said thee. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, yeah that, I'm sorry to talk now and break immersion for everybody out there listening to this. You can't trust that one. It's been corrupted by malice. The dragon uh, is about to speak, and then Atris, uh, or Malice, or the god of the chamber, or something. Seuss how many times do we have to play this game? Well, if you just acknowledge that the fact that your king is in checkmate, then we could end this game. How about this? And uh, Malice starts casting some kind of spell, and uh, we're just gonna we're gonna have you guys roll initiative. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> 22. 20. Zika got 10. 15. Okay. Uh, Morple. Jeez, Morple. Uh, 10. Okay. Here we go. Nolan, you are first. All right. Uh, yeah, I will run up. I'm assuming I'm in move up to range. Yeah, every everyone is close. Okay. You're all like kind of in the middle of the room. All right, so I will rush up to Artress and uh, do the old stabby-stabby thing. All right, go for it. All right, that is a... Oh, so close. 23. 23 is a hit. All right, I'm sneaky. All right. Yes, uh, you are. 18 damage. Okay, so Nolan steps forward and just slices into the flesh of this being, and uh, it just stares back at him in anger, and it is Kiernan probably won't work, but I'm going to go up to Atris and try to cast Lesser Restoration. Okay, okay. The sot has worked sometimes. It has worked some, yeah. <laughs> um, Alright. Yeah, give me an unarmed attack. Okay. Just, a, just a touch. Gotcha. Uh, that's a 17. Okay. That, unfortunately, will not connect. Yep. Alright, next to go is Atris Malice and looks to you, Nolan. Why don't you just stop? stop? And I need you to give me a wisdom saving throw. All right. As it is attempting to hold you. Uh, 17. It's an unmodified okay. 17, but you know, what are you going to do? That's what yep, happens. Yep, 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 yep. You are paralyzed. Okay. Orlek Tortoise is next, and he is not exactly sure what to do. Uh, well, yeah, he, well, I mean, you're in his place. Uh, he just kind of looks at all of you and I'll need everyone to make a wisdom saving throw as he is directing his fearsome presence towards you. Oh no, I can't be paralyzed and afraid. How will I run away? <laughs> I got an eight. Okay. You are frightened yeah. and paralyzed. Yeah. I rolled a nat one. <laughs> okay, you, uh, you are frightened as well. You're so frightened, you're paralyzed. Come over here with me. It's exactly, awesome. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, 25. You are not frightened. Yeah. 16. You are not frightened. And Morple? Oh, Morple. Hang on. Morple. Morple got to do some stuff. All right, you got some wisdom, right, Morple? Morple got a 17. Okay, everyone except for Kiernan and Nolan, you have the Frightened Condition, which means you have disadvantage on ability checks and attack rolls, while the source of fear is within your line of sight, and you cannot move closer to the source of your fear. So the source of your fear is Corlic Tortoise, 
And so, you know, you'll have to figure out how to deal with that. But uh, Razor, you have to figure out how to deal with that because you are next. I'm going to pull out a scroll and read Flame Strike and drop it right on uh, Malice. Okay. So they can make a saving throw if they would like. Alrighty. Or they can just accept the damage. Um, you know what? They're going to make a saving throw. What's the uh, what's the saving throw? Dex. That is a 19. Uh, they made it. So they'll take half damage, but... Okay, well... Uh, does it make any difference, radiant and or fire damage? Separate uh, them or no, just... as long as it's magical, it's it's right. uh, they can take all that. All right, so uh, they take 13 points of damage. Okay. Uh, yeah, Razor pulls out a scroll and reads these words, and holy fire rains down. Burns Atris. Uh, Morple. Morple is morpling it up, baby. It's Morple time. All right, here we go. Uh, Morple will uh, come up uh, and... Sh- two-hand attack with a short sword and a dagger of venom. Okay. Let's go dagger of venom. Uh, that is a 21 to hit Atris. 21 will hit Atris. And then a 13 to miss. 13 will assume. miss Atris. Okay, so let's see. This is a mighty, mighty thing. That is seven points of damage, and then it's the save versus poison to avoid the poison damage, right? It passes the save as it is immune to poison. Oh, okay. Well, hey, he tried. But it takes the damage. Yeah. Zika. All right. Um, I will try to cast a moonbeam on Atris. Okay. So that's that constitution save. Yep. 17. That will make it. And I rolled crap. So that's three points of damage. Okay. That does get through. Alrighty. So we go back up to the top. And Nolan, uh, you are currently paralyzed. Mm-hmm. But I, but I look real, real hard. I look like I'm yeah, going to break yeah, out yeah. of this at any moment. Any moment I could just leap into action. You can make another wisdom saving throw. All right. Well, there's not much point the in that, but we'll give it a shot. Uh, 17. We're going to just keep rolling 17. Uh, yeah. Kiernan, you are right up next to uh, Atris. Yes. I'm near Nolan, right? Yes, you are near Nolan. I may as well just use the Celestial Restoration I'm holding and unparalyzed Nolan then. Okay. You can do that. Woo! No, you are no longer paralyzed. Yeah. And it is Malice's turn. Somebody wet my armor. It's okay. I'll keep fighting. <laughs> Something very scary is off to the right, though. I'm going to tell you guys. I'm not going to look at it, but it's pretty scary, and it's right over there. All righty. Malice uh, will uh, look to Nolan again. Uh, actually, Paralyze Malice... me again. Come at me. Come on. No, Malice will me. turn to Razor and... Uh, look into his eyes and say, kill them. And he's going to attempt to dominate person. Is that a wisdom save? It is a wisdom save. 22. Okay, you are not dominated. The god of that shape attempts to uh, penetrate your mind and uh, fails. Stay out of my head. Hmm. Uh, It is the dragon's turn. He walks over to Razor and is going to attempt to slash you with his claws. All right. What is the meaning of this? This is a holy place. And hit you with one claw for nine points of slashing damage. Razor. Yep. And it is your turn. All right. They are trying to dominate you, control you, twist you to its will. And then I will ignore him and attack Malice. A 22 hit? Oh, yeah. And I assume a 15 missed. 15 will miss, yes, but a 22 will hit. 
Uh, 11 points of damage. Okay. You are bashing it up pretty badly, and you can tell that Malice is becoming frustrated with this pitiful shape. Morpal! Hey, Morpal is coming back in with the uh, W.O. strikes. Okay, that is a 24 and a 22. Oh my god, yeah, you yeah. Morple God Morple's a hero. Yeah. Alright, Morple does uh five points with the dagger and we won't worry about the poison because it's not gonna do anything, but it's still a dagger. Yep. And then the short sword, which is gonna do uh one less five. Okay. So five and five. All right, that is 10. And uh, Morpal just sinks his little short swords into Atris, and uh, it is, it's getting frustrated. Uh, Zika, your moonbeam is still... Uh... Yep, yep. Okay. I'll, I'll truck the moonbeam on to Atris. Uh, that is 17. I got a constitution savings. You said 17 again? Yep. Okay, you made it. Then you'll take half, which still not rolling great. So that's five. Okay, this go through, though. And uh, Nolan, you are not paralyzed. Hey. But however, whenever that dragon man is in your eyeline, you feel very scared. Sure. Is he in my eyeline now since he went over to Razor? You can shift yourself in a way so he is not directly in your eyeline. But yeah. Okay. Ah, all right. Being an awesome third level fighter these days gives me a crit on a 19. So I will do some stuff. Hey, something worked. The feet I bought is not going to come into play, but that's okay. Okay. Can't have everything. 28. All right. You just rip into this form and this tiefling body is is starting to break down. This being is not happy with us, but... Leave this plane! Don't bother the (laughs) X-Men! Alrighty, Kiernan, uh, it's your turn. I'm going to try this lesser restoration again to see if maybe I can save this tiefling's life okay go uh, go ahead and take <gasps> that uh wait a minute no you made it <laughs> oh you get a plus 10 to it i do yeah i just gave you a plus 10 oh my god then i, I got a 21 okay you put your hands on atris and you release this magic for a moment you feel something but very quickly you realize that the something you feel is not what you expected and i will need you to make a wisdom Saving throw. Hey, nat 20. Okay, good. As you reach this magic into him, but the magic just kind of dissipates. And then what comes back is you feel this being start try to infest you. Oh, geez. Basically, he was trying to leap into your body, but he failed. And uh, it is now their turn. And they turn to Corlick Tortoise and makes a direct eye contact with him. Kill them, you, you idiot. idiot! And he attempts to dominate this dragon, uh, which which may prove to be not the best idea in the world, but... And uh, he will use his legendary action to not uh, take that... <laughs> not uh, uh, be uh, dominated by mm-hmm. that... Uh, yeah, good call. That tiefling. And then it is his turn. And he spins around to Atris. Perhaps... These people are correct. And he attempts to strike this tiefling a couple of times with his claws. It's really impressive, but he misses. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Razor, it is your turn. All right. I'll take a couple of smacks on this. uh, Okay. Nellis character. Oh, I hit twice. Okay. 
Don't even bother rolling damage. Okay. This is what happens. Malice, it turns to Corlick Tortoise, attempts to dominate him. Corlick Tortoise turns on Malice and begins attacking him. That is when, Razor, you move in and smash Malice Atris in the side of the head, one side and then the other, bashing its skull. And as the tiefling unfortunately dies, this form comes shooting up out of the body. This kind of clear roiling shape just kind of hang in the air as the body it was in dies. And it makes one more attempt and just kind of hurls itself at Corlick Tortoise. And everything just kind of stops as this clear form attempts to penetrate uh, the skin of this person. And then as it does, Corlick Tortoise looks to you and he's just, just like, and then jumps out of the balcony and in an instant transforms back into his dragon shape. And as he does, it throws this clear gooey stuff all across the sky. And it just rains down harmlessly into the swamp. And you feel in that moment that an age has passed in this world. And you hear all of you, a voice in your head saying, And you have destroyed the God Without Shape. Hmm? Woohoo. Well, don't sound too excited, guys. Good job, everybody. Woohoo. Good, good, uh, good job. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to not a swamp for a little while. If anyone wants to come, please do. (laughs) I think you have to go back to (laughs) Malshar. I said not a swamp. (laughs) Metaphorical (laughs) or real. No swamp. Let's get out of here, whatever we do. So you are given the go-ahead from this dragon to Gadaddle, and over the next few days, it becomes known what you have done to the various powerful people that you have kind of rubbed elbows with along the way here. And you are the heroes of this age and heralded as such. So uh, what I would like to do uh, very briefly as we finish things up here is I would like to take just a brief epilogue uh, with each of the characters just for you to tell me um, what the future looks like for you. And I will start with Kiernan. Great. Um, Well, I will have a a lovely evening of celebration with my companions, I hope. And I think I'm going to go explore a bit of the world, which is what I intended to do originally and probably end up in Malshar again. Eventually. Where you uh, might uh, eventually run into a certain Gertrude uh, Ruger and uh, have a little adventure of your own. Yes, we'll see. We'll see what that what happens, what becomes of that. But yes, that's my plan. And in that time, you will learn that an uprising happened in your homeland. You will learn that Lorianne has been overthrown by a cadre of male changelings (laughs) with the assistance of the high elves. It becomes known that the father of your species is indeed the high elf emissary. Oh, wow. But what follows is not exactly a, a shining new age as once power shifts, it never goes exactly the way you plan it. Exactly. Uh, Next, we will go to uh, Zika. So Zika is, I think, ready to head back from the walkabout. 
Uh, she is going to go back to the Glasswood. She will invite anyone. Kiernan's interested in wandering some more. She'll invite Kiernan, but anyone else is welcome to come too if they're not done doing their wandering. But Zika is going to head back home and uh, visit her. Uh, well, visit, but return to her family and tell them stories about things that occurred and hear what went on while she was away. Yes, so uh, you do return. You have a hero's welcome to Glassbale and your family uh, receives you at open arms and you will learn that in that time, a lasting peace has been made between the Esog and the Serpent Folk and they have turned their attention to some errant arch fae that have been attempting to use the Nexus for their own ends. And they've been spending a lot of their time kind of dealing with that. But some of those Archfey uh, are familiar to you uh, one way or another. Oh, those Aaron Archfey. Yes. And then we go to Nolan. All right. Well, Nolan and his uh, trusty squire will go out and Nolan will think very hard about like whether this is going to be a do we fix the Knights of the Broken Lance or do we just get a new thing? And so after a little bit of time, a few various wardens of the road show up uh, of various kinds, one of whom is a mushroom person, which is very strange. <laughs> and they are set out on the roads to defend the weak because it is the duty of the strong to defend the weak. So they are... They they out and do that, and they are the knights of the silver leaf. And, nice. Uh, they uh, gradually start just winnowing down the the broken lance because uh, you know those people can't. Uh, yeah. Those pe- those people can't be around, and we will eventually uh, we will eventually get back home and kick them out of there and deal with that. But uh, yeah. we got to build an order up first, so there's a lot of time that. And you will find that in that time, uh, Roval has been supplanted by the Knights of the Broken Lands who have turned Threehold in their own little personal playground. Mm-hmm. So when the Knights of the Silver Leaf come, you're able to route the final vestiges of the uh, remnants of this uh, this desiccated order and set things right and are, are able to, uh, you know, to help place a, a more uh, honorable lord to this land. I'd like to think he's a kobold who explodes things, but, you know, maybe it will just be a boring human. We'll see. Alrighty, and last but certainly not least, Razor, uh, what is your epilogue? He'll think about going to Malshar, and then he realizes he has something else he has to do before he can do that, which is uh, go back to uh, the Dwarf Lands and free their lands from the Barbarians. And uh, uh, okay, yes, and he will offer to take the Rangers with him, with the idea that's like, look, uh, I know you broke your word but let's reinstate your honor i mean what you were doing wasn't wrong but it wasn't you did break your word and so i mean because razor's kind of rigid in that um but but he's willing to work with them to regain their honor if if they feel so slighted and work on re-earning their reputation among the other dwarves if it's been damaged and eventually he will end up at Malshar to uh, woo Grena further. All right. Perfect. That's what I was hoping for. Mm. So what does happen is uh, you are able to gather the uh, rangers and cavalry who had been sent to the orc lands and return to the forge lands. And you were able to penetrate into the mountains to the west and are able to, in no short amount of time, route the VAR and send them packing 
But uh, you were also able to reach out to other clans within the VAR to make it known that if they can keep their people in check, the dwarves are willing to work with them to teach some of them their ways. As some of you have found that the Var Barbarians, though disparate, there are some that have honor and some that can be honed into fine weapons. Yes, yes I'm sure. And then you uh, return to Malshar, and in no short order, you find it not a big challenge to uh, <laughs> Grena by Flame. And uh, your courtship uh, uh, does begin. It is uh, very successful. And on the first morning that you wake up and you are not alone, you notice two things. One, that the sun shines bright on the city of Malshar and your lady love is as beautiful as ever. And you lean back to bask in the glow of the moment and you rub your hand across your chin and goddamn if there isn't stubble there. And that is the end <laughs> of our story. Huh? Whoa! <laughs> Gonna have to that change the name. The <laughs> well, he's got to decide whether or not he wants to shave it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the last thing that I wanted to happen was for you to start uh, growing your beard back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you can decide. You might just mm -hmm. keep shaving it. Who knows? Yeah. That might be the, and, and the look probably could carry on. More beardless dwarves yeah. once the, the prophecy becomes known. Yeah. But uh, thank you. This is a, a giant-sized episode, but it makes sense. It is a season finale, so go. season finale. I, I, I hope, uh, I hope well, you guys yeah. had... Kind of series finale, right? Story yeah, finale. Series yeah. finale, yeah. yeah Story series. finale. Uh, this, was, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for you guys, everything you did and all the time that you gave to this. And as promised, I'll let uh, everyone know, uh, season two of The Architects of Entropy is uh, we're going from high fantasy to space fantasy as mm. our next campaign will be in the space opera setting of the game scum and villainy uh scum and villainy is a forged in the dark game uh those out there who are familiar with the game blades in the dark uh this is uh using the same system but because of it is the architects of entropy uh we will be creating our own world and setting We'll get more information out as it becomes available. I can tell you right now that the cast of the next season is going to be Scott. Woo, me. I'm not sure I can do scum and villainy, though. Can I just be one? John and Jillian, who've been uh, our guests on many, of the, on many of the episodes of the show. And we will have one character played in rotation by MJ and Rick. <laughs> we all can't wait for that. I'm very excited, <laughs> particularly about that. How that works, folks. Yeah. <laughs> they will be both playing uh, one character uh, housing uh, two beings who will pop up randomly when available. One, Rick, to what you said, I think it's going to go flawlessly. Two, yeah. I think it should be two or more beings. And then if they both can't make it, we find some random person to just play whatever. <laughs> And then they have to come back and go, well, who was that? <laughs> and it being a Forge in the Dark game, there are times when uh, sometimes characters drop out and disappear and are replaced. Kevin has made it known that he is available for the occasional guest slot. We, we certainly don't want to lose you. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you have any really weird things uh, that you'd love to shove into a space opera game, Kevin, just uh, just uh, just let me know and I'll, I'll pretend they're my ideas. Oh, most of my ideas are quite mundane, so... Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Hence your weasel people. Uh, well, yes. Thank you all again. And thanks for everyone for listening. And uh, season two, uh, I cannot tell you when it will happen mm -hmm. because I don't like to make promises I can't keep. But uh, 
keep an eye on this space. I will drop stuff into the feed as it becomes known. And as soon as we have a date for the premiere, it will be known. But um, as always, uh, we have Patreon, we have Facebook, we have Instagram occasionally, if you can find me. <laughs> Other than that, we'll see you in um, some indeterminate amount of time. A, a indeterminate amount of weeks. Yeah. Bye. Bye. See you, Space Thank Cowboy. You. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And once again, we would love to thank our Apprentice Architect Patreons, Jillian and John Christensen, Suzanne Bell, and Caitlin Thompson. We could not do this without you. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash AOE podcast. Have fun. We'll see you next time.